together to uh, on the path to meet, to recognize one another, and to uh, share maps, and to uh, realize that the maps are part of it. But behind the maps, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. So welcome back to the road to here, and today. I have a fellow that I'm very excited about interviewing for a couple of reasons. I've got uh, Mr. Morgan Lee. He is a creator and all around awesome dude. I'm excited because number one, I'm a fan of his stuff. And number two, I don't know him. So this is going to be really cool. And what better way to get to know somebody than to talk about God in your garage. So, <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. Morgan, introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Morgan Lee. Um, I'm up here in North Alabama and yeah, we met on TikTok. Um, I post a lot of different content on there, everything from religious humor to mental health. But um, I work a couple part-time jobs up here in Alabama. Uh, I work at a wood shop and I also make content. I do social media and create content for a law firm. Really? That's cool. Yeah. What they do is they do toxic tort law which is different than like class action i don't know how familiar you are with law terminology a little bit okay well they do toxic tort law and i go through and create their content and disseminate it on their tiktoks and their youtube and their facebook um uh, to promote getting their uh, clientele in to make these lawsuits happen so i do that and i work at a wood shop so how do you get how do you get that gig like a what's involved in that. that's awesome which 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 job yeah the, uh, the the tick making social media for a living that's pretty cool oh um or at least it turned, well it's yeah you know yeah it's you get that job because first of all you were friends with the office manager <laughs> and uh. two they were pricing around what it would take to get content created and it was like tens of thousands of dollars really so he came to me and said, you've got, you know, at the time, 30,000 followers on TikTok. Can you make stuff for me? And I was like, sure. So I put some things together and they it blew them away. That's awesome. And they hired me immediately. And I made a, about 100 videos for them. That's cool, man. That's cool. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So what do you do? Like, what do you do at the wood shop? Are you just are you a, a carpenter? Oh, okay. It's called yeah. It's called Cherry Street Design Works. Okay. They got an Instagram, so check it out. Cherry Street yeah. Design Works on Instagram and on Facebook, and uh, we make high end. Well, our biggest client so far it was Billy Reed, which is a clothing designer okay. out of the South, right? Out of Alabama. That's pretty. It's 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 nationwide, but they originated from this area. Okay. Uh, we we make their fixtures. Oh. Their tape, their display tables, their clothing yeah. racks, um, and we make pretty much we use a CNC machine. Yeah. As well as traditional table saws and everything like that. So we make anything. That's cool. I remember we we made these. You know the Fifth Element. The movie. Yeah. Of course. Okay, uh, you know those stones in the fifth element? Yeah. Somebody came to us, a client came to us and said, I want those stones, but I want them to be wooden boxes <laughs> that I can hide stuff in for a scavenge hunt. That's amazing. And we made, we made them. Dude, that's so rad. I made a TikTok video about it and got millions of views. Dude, that's so It was great. Rad. That's so rad. I want to check that yeah. out, man. 
Uh, you know, our uh, the other host of Sharing Maps, Dave. He is also a uh, carpenter. Like they do cabinets, like real high end stuff. Like they they we do cabinets. Installed too. like a wine cellar at a neurosurgeon's house, and he was sending me pictures, dude. It's like people have too much money, man. Like it is insane. Yeah, I mean, with that CNC machine, if you can draw, if we can design it yeah. in the computer, we can pretty much cut it. That's cool. So it, it, yeah, it's amazing. And it, uh, for my personal time, I do theater. Okay. Um, I could totally see that. Yeah. <laughs> I do That's awesome. Yeah, I do community theater. Um, I was in a show in August, um, and I'll probably do another show this spring if it's something Ooh. that I like. What's your favorite play ever? My favorite play ever right now is one they change. Of course. But um, right now, I really want to put on The Man from Earth. I'm not familiar. Okay, you like sci-fi oh, movies? Yeah. I assume you do. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so check out, go Google after this show, The Man from Earth. It was a 2007 film um, screenplay by Jerome Bigsby, okay. who wrote for the original Star Trek and Twilight Zone. Really? So his son found this story and then had it made into a movie. They made a screenplay from the movie and i would like to put that on really yeah, bad that's rad man that's uh i was gonna say it's about a that sounds like it's about a guy that, totally 60s it's about a, <laughs> yeah it's about a guy that's ten thousand years old and his friends find out about it and he was a major biblical character like it's yeah. a it's a really good story <laughs> it's it hits a, you right in the feels doesn't it yeah <laughs> that's rad man well let is uh as they say man let's get down to it I, uh, Ask them. Let's do it. All right. So the way this works, the same way it worked in the previous episode, I sent Morgan a list of questions so he could chew on it because I don't really like to put people on the spot. And also the whole point of this is to allow people a place to tell their stories and to give how they felt about things and how they feel about things and their opinions or whatever. It's not to, I don't intend to trigger anyone. So Morgan's looked over the questions. Uh, here we go. So first things first, just give us a rundown of how you came up spiritually, like what that looked like for you growing up. I'm assuming in Alabama, uh, you know, what did you learn and where were your main influences coming from? Okay. So yeah, I'm in North Alabama. So I grew up Southern Baptist, fundamentalist, evangelical, all the way, nice. I'm very, very involved in the church up until about the age of 18 or 19. Okay. So up until then, man, if the doors were open, I was in it. And I believed it 100%. Like it was, that was my reality. Mm -hmm. um, major, I mean, we went to a very charismatic Six Flags Over Jesus mega church <laughs> for, the, for the area. Right. Um, like a Fort God type yeah. deal, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and my, my dad still goes to that church. Mm. Yeah. So, um, I grew up that way and then I went off to college oh. and things started to change. <laughs> That's where it always happens. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you kind of answered my next, you kind of answered the next question. Uh, they, so you really started to question things in college before that it never even crossed your mind like you no there was a major point i yeah. there, there's something in my memory 
that is the defining point. Yeah. And it's it's kind of weird. It's kind of a strange story. Really what it boiled down to was I was dating a young lady, you know, as most high school seniors do. And I accidentally brought her home late from curfew. Mm. And she got into an argument with her father the next day. And her father spanked her. And she's like an 18-year-old girl, Mm. you know. Like held her up by her arms and spanked her. (laughs) Um, And I got really upset about that and started like questioning the morality of it and then like got into a discussion with the preacher and da, 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 da. and then when the preacher told me that he would not share or divulge our conversations to anyone and i found out that he divulged our conversations to that young lady's father mm. all of it is when i was like click wait a second the adults may be lying to you <laughs> i mean and so and so from there i was a very angry young man when it came to religion for many, many years. I felt very lied to and betrayed um, on a lot of things. Yeah, you know, one of one of your videos that really sticks out to me was the one with the dinosaur and, <laughs> and yeah. about yeah, the Jurassic <laughs> Park because I was also a huge dinosaur nerd and Jurassic Park just, uh, I'm, I'm 41, so I was whatever, 10, 12 when that movie came out and dude, that movie like... <laughs> <laughs> it was uh it's like they made it for me i had all the toys oh yeah same same i was uh yeah i was i had a crush on uh on lex she was like no oh, first, yeah. yeah but anyway i digress that the deception i think is a big part of it for a lot of people or feeling deceived. yes yes no i mean that was yeah dude that was deception i mean you were you know he yeah. flat out you know there was a serious violation of trust so from that point, I went on to college at Auburn University. Hmm. Are you familiar with really? the SEC schools? I am. I'm a Vols fan. Okay. There you at go. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I went on to Auburn, and I remember I was very angry, and I remember particularly meeting with an English teacher, mm-hmm. my freshman year English teacher, and I was having to write a paper, and it was all like anti-God, atheist, hardcore atheist mm-hmm. hate and militant sort of behavior towards Christianity. And she sat me down and was talking to me and she said, you know, you're having a religious crisis right now. And I had never heard of that ever. And so from that point, things started to go in a different direction. So were, were your family, were they aware that you were, were you vocal about this with them or is that just something that you kept private? No, I was very loud and angry about it. How was that? How was that received? Well, my my father, who's my dad, my legal father, adoptive father, who's still in the church, we got to a point over time that we just don't talk about it. And I tolerate a lot of the behavior, and I guess he knows about my TikTok. Right. That, I mean, my family, whoever wants to see it, can see right. it. But like my spouse and I, with all of our family around here in North Alabama that are still very much like of the Christian faith, mm-hmm. um, we, we, you, you have to pick and choose your battles. So you're so like you're speaking my language. Like I, you know, I don't have I don't have the anger towards the church. Like I, I just I, you know, I mentioned before, I had kind of a a secular upbringing. Like we, yeah, we weren't anti, you know, my parents weren't anti-religion. They just, I don't know. We just didn't go. You know what I mean? Like I, it was never 
talked about or an issue or my mom grew up Catholic. She called herself a recovering Catholic. And <laughs> yeah, so, but she still, she still goes to church. She goes like a non-denominational thing and it, it does you know, a lot for her. And I, I appreciate that. Would you still consider yourself angry? Like at this no. point in your life? No, I came full circle. That's awesome. No, I, I came back around with the help of like Joseph Campbell. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not familiar with, with his work. Who's that? Uh, Joseph Campbell wrote the hero with a thousand faces. Oh, okay. I have seen that book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, George Lucas was heavily influenced by that book. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so Joseph Campbell was one of the leading scholars in America back, uh, 50s, no, excuse me, 60s, 70s, 80s. He died in 83. Okay. I think, um, in comparative mythology and comparative religion. Okay. All right. So the, the two main works on comparative mythology and comparative religion are the hero of the thousand faces and the golden bow, which I just finished a couple months ago. I feel like these are books that uh, I have to read at this, at this point in my spiritual exploration. The Golden Bough or Rock Your World, um, it's, it's got some racism in it. It was written in 1850, mm. um, but it's an exhaustive comparative religion of primitive, mytho of primitive mythologies. Okay. Um, but Hero of a Thousand Faces, uh, some other great Campbell books to read if you're really into the spiritual stuff is uh, Thou Art That, Transforming Religious Metaphor, which is about Christianity. And how to interpret the metaphors within the Judeo-Christian mythology in a very transcendent, transformative way versus the very concrete way that they do here. Right. Uh, everything I've seen from especially the Southern Baptist tradition, which is, you know, I'm surrounded by it as well in Tennessee. So I, yeah, I'm familiar. And we went to a Southern Baptist church briefly uh, for, I guess, maybe a year. It, it's... I feel like, and maybe you'll agree, I don't know. I feel like the, the exclusivity thing, the, the it's got to be this way. You are 100% wrong. Like it, I mean, is that, do you think that that is, I don't know, only here? Or is that other denominations of Christianity? Because I don't have a ton of experience. All I know is I've seen, you know, Catholicism from my little German grandmother, and we would go to mass like twice a year when she was here, you know what I mean? On Christmas or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I would, I got tapped to take my foot wash and Southern Baptist granny to church. And that, that scared the hell out of me. Like, Whoa, like that, that guy was, well, if you think, if you think the Southern Baptists are scary, you should check out the church of Christ. Oh, I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah. Church, of, the, the yeah. church of Christ are, are super hardcore. Like yeah. it's our way or the highway. Yeah. My, uh, um, my granny called him Baptist without the piano. Yeah, yeah, it's the 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 music is pretty rough. Well, lack of music say, is yeah, pretty rough. Music, yeah. <laughs> but um, to answer your question, there there is in this culture, especially here in North Alabama in Northwest Alabama, of this need to evangelicalize. Um, they the group seems to be very much motivated by extrinsic validation hmm. or external validation okay. uh so the more that like they convert and things like that it more bolsters their belief in the system but for me personally i can't have no one will talk about it with me anymore 
<laughs> family member. <laughs> I, was, I don't mean to laugh, but yeah, that's uh, you know, I, I understand because um, and 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 now, granted, I'm pretty difficult to argue with. Um, I mean, once you get a strong grasp on logic and reason, you got a strong grasp on comparative myth and religion. You know a lot about Eastern versus Western mythologies and spiritual traditions. You start to see a lot of patterns. Man, to, dude, I, yes, 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 yes. Because I have been on an Eastern religion kick for I don't know. Oh, like then six you would love. Now. You would. You need to read the book uh, "Myths of Light: Eastern Metaphors for the Transcendent" by Campbell. It was phenomenal. Okay. Uh, myths of light, L I G T H. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get some more um, paper, man. I'm over here taking those. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love, I, I, I read a lot of, I do a lot of audio books. The same. I can go, I, drive, I can do, yeah. go through, I can go through the book faster than I way. drive a truck. Uh, so, like, I get a lot of, uh, you know, I'm home every day, but I get a lot of windshield time. So, I will, yeah, I will listen to audio books. Use that time productively. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, man, that kind of leads me into this next question. Where where are you now? I mean, basically, would you consider yourself religious or more spiritual, or where are you at at this point in your life? That's that's a great question. He, today, today, um, I am I identify as a uh, idealist, panentheistic, or pantheistic mystic. Okay. Is is the is the label that I will allow to be put on myself? Okay. Even though that's not a really great descriptor, and a lot of my spirituality has derived from my experiences with bipolar one with psychotic features. Mm-hmm. I'm I've been diagnosed since I was 29. I was a firefighter paramedic for 10 years up until I was diagnosed, okay. and then I became disabled from bipolar disorder. And through those um experiences in different states of consciousness i and also with the campbell influence and you get people like carl sagan Mm -hmm. people like robert anton wilson philosophers um carl young if you're familiar um a lot i've read a lot of these works and absorbed a lot of this stuff i came to a sense of spirituality that was very much my own that you Next to my therapist, are the only people seem interested in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, it's it's. You know, I talk a lot about this with my therapist as well. Now, were you interested in this stuff prior to your diagnosis? No. Saying, yeah. No. No. See, this is where where our our paths kind of um, converge a little bit. I, I I don't talk about it a whole lot, but from the age of eighteen to age thirty two, I was I was a police officer. I was a corrections officer for three years and then I was a patrol, I was a training officer, the whole thing. And uh I got out because of PTSD. And mm. I got out because of I don't know, a lot of um a lot of issues with the culture and the mission. I started to see things differently as I aged. Anyway, it was time to go. And uh you know, I didn't care about any of this stuff. I, I had a brief, uh, brief brush with uh, Christianity where we were going to church. And because I've always had spiritual questions, even as a kid. But I really didn't dig in until after I started getting treatment for the PTSD because it was all consuming. I mean, I'm sure you know how that is. If it's if it's untreated and, uh, you know, and it's just allowed to run rampant, it does just that. And 
I wonder, I've often wondered, and this, I don't know if the question has an answer, I'm going to ask it. I also, I've often wondered if there is some kind of alignment that happens when you get treatment for a mental illness and when you start to kind of embrace what is happening to you, that allows you to align more spiritually because I feel more in tune with things and I feel like I've really zoomed out and I can see the different approaches and, and it's all kind of pointing the same way for me, you know, I, and I don't know that I'm a sky wizard, you know, yeah, guys down telling us what to do kind of thing, but it, it definitely more of a non-dualist approach. And that's what the, the Eastern stuff has really brought into my life. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The, the non-duality is a big part for me and the lack of anthropomorphic, excuse me, if I could speak the, I don't prescribe to anything anthropomorphic. And if you watch my TikTok, I make fun of anything yeah. that has to do with anthropomorphic deities. Right. I think that, so, and that's what, that's what makes me enjoy your stuff, man, because it's uncomfortable. And I like that. And I think that when people take things too seriously, it's just, you know what I mean? You gotta be able to make fun of, of your beliefs because if you really back up and look, uh, spirituality in general is pretty damn wackadoodle. Like, well, yeah, like J Joseph Campbell harped. I've listened, I mean, thousands of hours of his lectures yeah, and things like that. And, and he repeats himself a lot. And one thing he repeated over and over was the problem with modern day Christianity was that it, it's being read like a newspaper, like it's literal history mm. when it must be interpreted as metaphor. Well, it, um, I, yes, because if you read it. I mean, a lot of times, God, Christ as God or whatever, however you want to frame it, he taught in allegory. He taught in metaphor. He taught, I mean, he, it wasn't, nothing was black and white. And I don't understand. You ever, you ever read the Gospel of Thomas? I have, yes. The, it's so good. Yes. And it's so good. The, uh, the Apocrypha in general really, really rocked me, you know, from, from what I learned. Because I, uh, I went to Liberty university for a couple of years on just online, you know, the fall captain mm -hmm. fall <laughs> mm -hmm. this was before he was, they found out he was cucking out his wife, but, uh, <laughs> and that, uh, you know, I had apologetics classes, theology classes, and, and we, they talked about, I had a really cool apologetics professor that was really edgy, I guess, especially for the culture there. And man, he, um, He's the one that turned me on to the Apocrypha and it was outside of, outside of assignment. He like sent me this and was like, Hey, this was, you know, this, this was a thing. He kind of gave me a rundown on the Gnostics and, and the history. And it, it's, it's incredible how things just got erased. Like they were just like, well, mm -hmm. okay, this is what we believe now, which I understand if you're trying to formulate a plan or whatever you, you have to, there's gotta be a manual, you know what I'm saying? So it, it's, it's interesting. And I think that everyone, even Christians, people who identify as Christians should read the Apocrypha. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's all scripture is God ordained and God breathed, not just the editorial. Right. But, you know, like I, like I said, people really won't fuss with me around here anymore. I can't find people <laughs> in North Alabama that will engage in religious philosophy with me. Oh, man. Um it's people get so, I think it, I think that's because it challenges their safety blanket. You know what I mean? They don't, well, people don't, yeah. don't want to be wrong. They don't, you know, of course. 
the whole thing boils down to self-preservation Absolutely. anyways. So anything that threatens that self sense of self-preservation, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, that's fine. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so do you feel like, do you feel like your, your current take on spirituality, the, um, you, you kind of seem, I don't know what the word is. I guess it's all encompassing the, the pan was it pantheistic. I believe is the word. Pan, pantheistic yeah. or panentheistic. I'm not really sure which one I'm falling. Okay. In. All right. Do, how do you, how did that help you with mental illness? Because I, I, I personally, um, well, up until age 29, I would not consider myself a spiritual person. I was very much kind of like a stagnant atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, when I was about 22 or 23, I read a book called The Power of Myth by, it was a transcript between Joseph Campbell and Bill Moyers. And you can watch it. Right. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix, I think. Really? It's called the power, the power of Myth. It's on YouTube. That's awesome. It's a it's an interview with Joseph Campbell okay. by Bill Moyers. Yeah. So I read that, and when I put that book down, I realized I could believe in God again if I could redefine the word God as not as Yahweh of the Old mm-hmm. Testament. But what would that word mean? So years went on, and then I finally had this first psychotic. I had the first psychotic episode at age 29, which was deeply hyper-religious and deeply spiritual sense of connectedness. And, you know, I went to college. I tried things that would give you deep senses of connectedness. (laughs) Same. (laughs) And I'm I'm telling you right now, nothing touched this. Really? Nothing touched this. And I ended up in a state hospital. It was a terrible experience. Um. And then I had a few more episodes after that. And then after I changed some things in my environment and got away from certain people, I stopped having episodes. But from those episodes, I cultivated a sense of spirituality that I can't really put into words. I can only really speak about it through like indirect metaphor. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when you put a label on it, it, it's transcendent. Everything is transcendent. So how do you, I mean, how do you how do you label that which is transcendent? It really I I am I don't know if I would consider myself a practitioner, but I am a big fan of the teachings of Buddha and yeah and I, you know when they asked him he remained silent he uh, mm-hmm. it's, it that, that resonates the the story of the Buddha's enlightenment is phenomenal yeah the the story of how the Buddha became the Buddha I think is a phenomenal mythology. Like, you know, the history of who he was. He was a prince. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Eastern mythology and and Buddhism, Buddhism has been a huge influence on my life, actually, in terms of how to live with bipolar disorder. How so? Meditation mm. for me yeah. is big. Yeah. Uh, big. I'm a, I meditate. Same. It's uh that, that really opened up things for me as far as PTSD and my therapist used, I talked about in the last episode, my therapist uses Erickson and uh, Erickson hypnosis and it's you to create a construct. And I mean, it's essentially they, they coax you into a meditative state and you associate uh, something positive that you can recall in the event that you feel yourself starting to you know, kind of head down the road. It's a, uh, the brain is fascinating and I often wonder just like 
I don't know. I can't wait. I, I, I hope that's the one. I don't know how to say this without sounding weird, but that is the one thing I hope that when we die, we'll get to this later, that it's explained. Like what's happening in your head is, I don't know. I hope it all comes together. I have, I have, I don't, I mean, I read some of your questions. Right. So like, you know, I don't know, but I have a lot of like hopes and ideas. And that's really what it's all about. I think anyway, you know, I mean, no, nobody knows if you knew it, it wouldn't be a belief. Well, right here, they claim they know. Of course they do. <laughs> they don't. It, it's, yeah. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a whole other story. Uh, yeah. So do you, I know you said you have trouble finding people to discuss, discuss this kind of stuff, but coming from an evangelical background, do you feel the need to evangelize how you feel? Is that, is that what you're trying to do with the TikToks and stuff? Or, you, or is it just, no. it's uh No, no. Like it was, that was, that was, I remember that question in your list because I remember when I first started like really discussing with my spouse, my deeper spiritual senses, that was one of the first questions she asked me was like, do you need others to think like this too? And absolutely not. Honestly, I would never want anyone to rock, to walk the road that I have walked because it's been full of a lot of trauma. Mm -hmm. I know you say you suffer from PTSD and I suffer from, PTSD from the fire department mm-hmm. and also inpatient psychiatric PTSD I can imagine. from being in these Alabama cycle. I've been to those places, you know, not, not in Alabama, yeah. but I mean, I've seen just, you know, the treatment is <laughs> the, the mental health system in this country is really sad and seeing it from you know, a law enforcement perspective, I kind of got an inside peek and it's disgusting and it's pretty bad. And I mean, you know, for what it's worth, I am truly sorry that that happened to you because that is not that those, those, especially the state run hospitals are not a place for anybody. Oh, I got, there's some stories on my TikTok. Yeah, um, but to answer your question, why, like, why do I make those, the TikToks for one, I really don't feel like I suffer from religious trauma like I did. Mm-hmm. I think all that anger and resentment growing up was religious trauma. Mm-hmm was like an outward expression Mm -hmm. of that trauma. But I make a lot of the religious humor stuff because I know that out there, somebody is going to feel validated by that. They're going to watch Caucasian Space Jesus videos (laughs) and feel validated. And also, I challenge a lot of motifs in those videos. Mm The, th- the three-tiered, un- the whole point of that Caucasian space Jesus was to challenge the three-tiered universe model of Judeo-Christian mythology of heaven being above us, hell being below us, and then the earth plane here because Jesus ascends and where does he go? Right. You know, so like it was a lot of that kind of commentary. Um, and then I do a lot of mental health humor. Um which I have not done recently because my Caucasian Space Jesus stuff took off. Right. Um, but I have over a hundred mental health videos on my TikTok. Yeah, I've, I've kind of scrolled through, man, and that's that's one thing I'm glad because I really want to to um, the stigma is is bothersome, you know. And, mm-hmm. and you told the story about uh, when you bought the car. Can you tell that story here? The the TikTok. Well, we didn't. Or we we, we did you not tried buy. to buy the car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'll talk about the stigma of mental illness, absolutely. Um, but to answer your question, we went to buy this. We went to go buy this car, and this gentleman 
it comes up that I was a firefighter. Mm -hmm. He asked me why I didn't do it. I told him I had a diagnosis, and then his immediate reaction was asking if he needed to have a gun with it. That's... And we just kind of ignored it, and my wife tried to, like, Dude, who says direct that, it man? toward Like, what, kind, what the hell kind of sales to add that? All right, sorry. And so my wife's like, I'm the one you got to worry about, not him. Right. And because um, <laughs> that's the that's the big stigma here. Like, how many people have I told my diagnosis to and they recoil away from me? They recoil yeah. away. I've told my diagnosis to a police officer one time um, and he put his hand on his pistol and like, like he was scared of me. Right. Um and so just laying around with that salesman, we ignored that. And then when we were getting out of the car, we heard police and fire sirens in the background. And the guy says to me, they're coming to get you. Oh, oh. <laughs> dude. And, and I, and I was like, okay, we need to I've heard this story before um, and I still like, I, I can't like, I, I clutch my pearls. Like I was what, what the hell? Like I just, that, it boggles my mind, dude. I've, I've had all kinds of, experiences with people treating me weird just when they because it's the word psychosis mm -hmm. bipolar they can handle y'all oh, you're moody that's what they think right when they hear that word psychosis they think psychopath right they think they think psychopathy right um and th that that's the problem so i kind of think we need to change the word in my, my opinion you, yeah good luck getting them to do that i uh yeah i know it it I know kind of personally what kind of toll that could take because my father gave me a rifle for my birthday, like as a gift. And I'm not huge into guns, man. That's not really my jam, but that is something that he truly enjoys and has target shot his entire life. And it was a big deal for him to give me this rifle. So I'm like, yeah, you know, cool. It's awesome. It's a present for my dad. Like, uh, you know, can't be in the South if you ain't got a couple guns. You know what I mean? And, Rotat. Yeah, right. Rotat. Rotat. War <laughs> Eagle in your case. But uh yeah. but he he genuinely asked when I told him that I was in therapy and that I was taking medication and all this stuff. He was like, Well, do you need to have guns in your home? I'm like, what the fuck does that mean, Dad? Like uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not like you know, I'm not about to shoot up a supermarket if that's what you're worried about. I, you know, this is it, I, Well, like the other day I was at my at my wife's grandparents' house and her grandfather had made, handmade me this beautiful knife mm -hmm. with like an antler bone handle. Um, the blade was made out of an old sawmill blade. Beautiful knife. Right. He made me this knife and sheath. And then it came up that I had a diagnosis. And he told me not to tell anybody that he gave me that knife. <laughs> Golly, dude. It just, it boggles my mind, man. And I, 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 I like I said, laughter is kind of a thing for me. It's just, it, it is it just, this is the first thing that comes out and I, the ignorance displayed is how do we change that? How does that, how does that get changed? I don't know how to change it outside of desensitization mm. and education, right. information. The way I go about doing it is a coping mechanism for myself. Mm -hmm. It's through humor. Same. I make, I make these videos. I talk about being psychotic. I make jokes about being in the hospital. I also make really poignant stuff about how terrible those situations are for a lot of mm -hmm. people. And I put it out there. Sometimes it gets a thousand views. Sometimes it gets a million views. But I, I know it's working because I get direct messages all the time from people telling me, thank you 
for talking about yeah. these things. Thank you for being a man and talking about these things because men don't talk about their mental no. health. No, they do not. It's, and yeah. and <laughs> and thank you for talking about such a taboo topic mm -hmm. as bipolar one with psychotic features. Because if you do the math. There's like a 1% of the population or 2% of the population is bipolar. That's, that's a huge chunk. It is. And hardly anybody's seeking treatment because they know how terrible it is. I know. It's, you're right. But long story short, you're right. The only way that we can change anything is actually talking about it. And I try to do that with... Uh, the videos that I make with the music stuff. And I talk to my friends the same. I talk openly about having PTSD and having been suicidal and, you know, all the things that come along with that, because I know that for years, years and years and years, I did not seek treatment because number one, as a cop, I saw what happened in those places you're talking about. And I'm like, fuck that. Like, you know, you say the magic words and you get slapped in a, in a, in an ER room for 10 hours, they send, you know, somebody to come talk to you for 20 minutes. And then you wait for another 10 hours and then they ship your ass in handcuffs in the back of a police car up to the hospital and you have to sit there for another three days, you know, and then don't forget the strip. Search. Oh yeah. Yeah. Can't forget the strip search. And, and, and it's so, you know, like I said, I kind of got a, a behind the scenes peek. It's dehumanizing. Yes, yes, it is totally dehumanizing. And it, it, and it's, it's, it's sad because I could have, there's so much of personally of my life that I missed because I was trying to just nut up and handle it to, you know, pardon the phrase, but so the, the only way to do it is to keep it in the open, to just keep it out there and, and keep folks talking about it. What I, like what I say on my TikTok is I'm going to heal out loud. Yeah. I, I'm suffering. I, I have a mental illness, but I'm going to heal and recover from this thing out loud. Yeah, that's a Because that, that voice, as small as it feels sometimes, is affecting people. Yeah. Even, even if it makes them feel validated, it was worth it. Well, dude, you, you affected me personally. Just, just and that, you know, just... My uh, Dave, the, the other co-host, sent me the Caucasian Space Jesus video, and it was kind of a ha-ha, you know, you'll think this is funny thing. And I did, and then I started looking, I'm like, damn, okay, like, you know, this is what we need. We need people talking about this kind of stuff. And, you know, I personally really enjoy satire, and you're very good at it. Uh, <laughs> why, why, what drew you to satire? And do you think that the ability to make fun of stuff really resonates with people that are struggling? Why, or why do you think that is, rather? What is satire and why satire and why does that people relate right. to why it? Why do you think people that are hurting relate to it so well? I think with satire, we, you know, the textbook definition is where you take an idea and you take it to its logical extremes mm -hmm. in order to reveal in it its ridiculousness. Right. And I think a lot of with the christianity stuff or the caucasian space jesus stuff because i'm targeting something that's so in our face this idea that jesus is is a anglo-saxon man yeah. right you know this this anglo-saxon person that ascended up and i i take i took everything and i never argued i never said they were wrong i just took it to the extreme and i think people who are hurting you know they say laughter is a the best medicine. Mm -hmm. um, but I think really 
through being able to laugh at it, you can laugh at yourself. Because people like me who believe these things, like I believed this stuff growing up. I've been on both sides of it. You know, I get called like um, a Satanist or an atheist a lot by people on the TikTok. You know, like you're just a Satanist or you're just an atheist or this or that. They make it very dualistic, right? Right. Um, and I can't say that there's not an agenda to like make fun of the anthropomorphic nature of gods that I do for myself, right. you know. Um, but I, I really do I, – I, I think it's just – it's as simple as that That laughing at something can heal you from it and make you feel really validated. It – you know, you know it, it – uh... You mentioned that I had a question if comedy was a defense mechanism for you because it has been for me for years, and that was a, that was a very personal question on my part. But you've stated that it's it's more of a coping mechanism, which makes so much sense. And I have always been a fan of very awkward, very gallows humor, very uh, you know, and I think some of that comes from from you know the time spent in law enforcement because you would. You had to. You had to kind of compartmentalize that shit because you're well, you're seeing such yeah, you, terrible you, things. You know what I mean? As a, I was a firefighter paramedic, mm-hmm. and uh, together I was a full time right. firefighter who was also licensed as a paramedic. And the dark sense of humor is the only yeah. way to cope. Yeah. With that lifestyle. You know, and if people knew the shit that first responders say. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, God, they would be mortified, dude. <laughs> like, some of the things that have come out of my mouth in, in terrible, like, traumatic situations are embarrassing now to me, but it's still funny. Like, I don't care. If you go to my TikTok and you search and you click on the playlist, the Fire EMS stories, that's where I got my first major boom on TikTok. Right. Um, I told several, I told about five or six stories from my fire EMS days. And I did them in a very um, somber way, black and white facing away from the camera, like half face, half lit. And I told these stories and it got millions of views. And there was a 24 hour period. No joke. There was three days that I gained 20,000 followers, but like during a 24 hour period, I gained like 12, 14,000 followers. It was yeah, wild. That's like the definition of, of going viral. And it's uh, no one had ever seen or heard anything like that. Um, but I mean, I tell rough stories. Yeah. They are brutal. They are very brutal. Well, life is brutal. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. We, especially here in America, tried to uh, sugarcoat a lot of things, but, but life and, and humans in general are, are brutal animals and we will do terrible things to each other, sometimes in the name of religion. Sometimes, that, oh man, you know, just uh, <laughs> in in just because something is scary, we we have to kill it. Yeah, and that is a weird. I haven't reconciled that yet. I don't know exactly what that is, but that's definitely. Well, they say we fear what we don't understand. That's true. That's true. And then we, but we also feel a weird need to destroy what we don't understand. Some of us now, yeah, you know, there are true minds. Yeah, that, that will try to figure out, you know, the origin and definition and why and like carl sagan you know stuff like that yeah i love me yeah that's why i always enjoyed that so let's move into some more um kind of woo 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 uh stuff this is is my jam like i'm into this shit so i'm excited to hear your your stuff so why why do you think 
people feel the need to create dogma because I, I feel like as a lot of the major religions are relatively black and white, or at least, you know, gray and white uh, with what you're expected to believe or do, especially the Abrahamic face. Right. And then yeah. people find something they disagree with. So they create something else that is a total, uh, for example, Henry VIII creating the Episcopalian church so he could get divorced. That yeah. Kind of thing. Like, why do you think people need to feel the need to create the dogma? To, to boil it down simply. I mean, I could, I could go on, I think for hours on that. <laughs> Um, but to make it real simple and reductionist, I think it's the, that validation, mm. that external validation they get from each other. Mm. Um, we all agree on this. We have an in-group and now an out-group. Right. You know, and um, if we and when we pull someone from the out-group into our in-group, that validates us even more. Right. Um, so and there's also political motivations. Mm-hmm. Um economic motivations you know um it you know yahweh needs money all the time or at least the people who who talk about yahweh need money yeah he's he really is broke yeah so um there's i mean there's probably i don't think we can i don't think we can reduce it down there's a lot of factors there but i would i would say ultimately on like a human level it's they they, it's like a self-reinforcement Yeah, and that and that, that equals safety, you know, or yeah. the comfort. Anyway, if you know the answer and you know what's going to happen, then you're good. Like you have a set of rules. People don't like free form a, anything. A sense of control. Yes. yes. A perceived sense of exactly. control. Exactly. So, <laughs> do you consider truth to be an objective thing or a subjective thing? Whoo! Yeah. Here we um. Go. Truth is it objective or subjective? I'm I'm gonna have to say right now, be, because I am working with a lot of like idealist philosophies currently. I'm gonna say that it's gonna be more subjective, but in the same way that a particle is both a wave and a particle, truth is both subjective and objective at the same time. It's really about where you stand. Okay. What what your what your perception is on that moment. Well, that's, uh, I mean, so, so you're, you're a perception is reality kind of guy. I think reality right now is it's of the mind. Mm. Okay. You're getting, you're getting into, have you read, uh, the, the Kabbalion and, and all that stuff? Do you get that weird into the, uh, I have not, I have not yet. There's a lot of things. The, the Hermes Trismegistus but... and everything is mental and, and you like hermetics. Yeah. Like hermetic you're stuff. Yes, hermetic? Yeah. Yeah. I know hermetic okay. stuff. Yeah. Like I, I, idealist philosophy has a lot to do with everything being of the mind. Right. Because, and when you study the human perception, I mean, we are perceiving and projecting a reality yeah. around us. Yeah. That, see, they get really, I, there's a lady, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get her on this show. Her name's Casey. I follow her on, on, uh, TikTok and and she talks a lot. She put me onto this. Um, it's a video called "Emergence Theory for the Layman." And huh. dude, that uh, like is it YouTube? Yeah, yeah. It's it's YouTube? I'll send you a link, man. It send it I to will, me, dude. It, it it. I was I read. I was like, huh? Like yeah, <laughs> got to reading that or watching that. It's it's totally like 
you know, just do things exist when you're not looking at them and, and you know, mm-hmm. that kind of shit. And I, man, I went down the rabbit hole and I kind of, I kind of burned myself out and I really don't, I don't have any, I don't know how I feel about a lot of that. It made me hella uncomfortable, which is awesome. And I'm definitely going to get back into it, but uh, I'll send you that video, man. And, and just, I mean, I, I'm no scientist, but I understand, I've wrapped my head around a lot of quantum ideas, yes, yes, ideas of the quantum nature of reality and then you know you look at like old school mythology and philosophies and they kind of start to it gets a little funky yeah um they, they so, align yeah, it I'm totally aligns man they, like i'll say it it, it starts to get yeah, funky it, 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 it all it starts is. to merge together and you're just like yeah i uh and uh i went on a do you do you, <laughs> do you ever watch anything on gaia my mother earth are you for, no, no no like are you for, it's a it's a network all right. Oh, the network yeah, guy. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's worth the twelve dollars a month or whatever, bro. Because it is, it is bonkers. Like they go just off the rails, dude. It's insane. I love it. I love all the. Uh, okay, for example, there was a whole show where they interviewed this old German guy. I cannot remember his name. Doctor some some some, and he went into how the Ark of the Covenant was actually alien tech. And it was, it was radioactive and that's why anybody that touched it died. And he goes into the, where the, the book of, um, was it Daniel or what are they talking about? The, the Ark of the Covenant. I can't remember. Uh, it's definitely old. Yeah, it's, it's old Testament, but he talks about, they give, uh, specifics in the temple that they built because they give measurements and it's, it, he, he yeah. like recreates it in, in a CAD system and it lines up with this spaceship and dude, it's bonk. It's crazy. It's it's awesome, but there's also a lot of spiritual meditation stuff on guy, which I enjoy. But but the uh, it can get out there. I recommend it. it's fun. But um, so yeah, I like I like to keep an open mind on a lot of things. What and this is a big one, and I know you don't necessarily have to have you know a concrete answer. But in your opinion, why are we here? What's the meaning of this? What is the meaning of existence? The meaning of this existence. I think it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull a little Campbell into this right. and say that it ha- there is no meaning. Just like, like the Buddha says, there's no meaning, mm-hmm. um, except that which you bring to it. Um, but if I had to like pull back a little bit and speak from a very personal, personal level, I think we're here. I, we're, we're here to suffer. You know, the Buddha says all life is suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, through this through suffering and trauma the human spirit seems to in a somewhat of a dualistic way often go one of two directions of like super jaded dark way like dark side stuff or like you know vader (laughs) or like go the other or like go the other way and become like hyper compassionate self-aware through that trauma and suffering Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that's that way for everybody, but it was that way for me. It's a spectrum, for sure. It is a spectrum, yeah. absolutely. And it seems that everything is a spectrum within this duality. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of uh, what people suffer from is they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they see only in duality. Mm. They they cannot see the spectrum yeah. that is before them. Yeah. Man, that's uh, wow! <laughs> you got me on that one. 
that we do and we 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 as a people it's um non-dualism is uncomfortable it goes against anything abrahamic and you know i would love to and 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 aristotelia explain yeah aristotelian logic does not like non-duality such as like you know a or not a b or not b whereas a particle like in quantum state is a and not a at the same time and will change depending on where you're standing or how you're looking at it or if you're observation yeah yeah what uh in your opinion in your words what is consciousness consciousness that 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 is a big topic um I cannot nail down consciousness because it seems like when you put your finger on it, it kind of slides away <laughs> because is a, is a, is a cell conscious. I mean, a cell from my body, I take a liver cell, put it in a Petri dish. It responds to stimuli. It excretes, it eats, you know, plants, these plants responding to light, right. you know? Um, but I guess to be really reductionist on it, I'm, I'm going to say self-reflection. Exactly. I was, yep. Self-reflection. Um, you know, a lot of people in this existence feel really small. They look up at the cosmos and they see the expanse of space and we're on this little moat of dust in the spiral arm of the Milky Way galaxy and they feel really small. And you are. We For are sure. really small. But we are aware of it. And I think in that awareness of how small you are, you are really big. Um, so consciousness, I don't think, is localized to the head either. Um, if you study Carl Jung, you know, I'm, I'm a big – I lean a lot into the collective unconscious okay. of, of a group consciousness below the, in, the, fractional, the fractalized, fractal, mm-hmm. fractalized consciousness of each being. So um, consciousness, and especially since I've experienced a lot of different states of consciousness, mm-hmm. both in college, right. like we talked yeah. about, and also through psychosis and mania, I've experienced altered states of consciousness where I was perceiving things that were not there, right. which we call, halluc- we call hallucinations. Right. And I perceived, I perceived things I really can't put into words. But I experience them. Right. I just can't articulate. I can poetically speak about right. it. I can metaphorically speak about it. I can compare it to the things I've seen in religion and mythology, but I can't articulate it. Hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. I've never heard – it's so unique. I've never heard uh, a description of mental illness in that manner. This is – it was after the psychosis experiences that I started to identify as a mystic because I didn't say, oh, I like that word. Mm-hmm. I came across and read the Webster's Dictionary definition of the word mystic and said that's what happened to me. Right. That's what I experienced. How much do – you, do you think that was what was happening – because I personally, I don't believe that uh, bipolar disorder or anything that is out there now that is that they've put a finger on is new. I don't think there's anything new. I think it's been, uh, you know, since the beginning. I think we're the. I think biologically and psychologically, for the most part, we are the same animals we've always been. Yes, uh, since Cro-Magnon yes. man. 
pretty much, yes. So, I mean, is that is that what was happening with the mystics of, of old, the ancient mystics, and were they? If manic? you read, if you read, if you read Campbell, uh, there's a great lecture called um, I, I, it's called um, the inward. It's on my TikTok. Okay. The inward journey, east and west. The entire lecture is on my TikTok, okay. where Campbell discusses how he was. He gave a he was he was looking at the work of Dr. John Ware Perry, who was a psychiatrist back in the sixties studying psychosis and schizophrenia. Right. And what and this guy was looking at the experiences of the patients, what they were going through. And then Campbell found that what they were going through with the exact same archetypal themes mm-hmm. that were represented in a hero with a thousand faces, just out of order. Mm-hmm. Random, chaotic. This is where Campbell came to quote that Campbell said that the psychotic drowns in the same waters that the mystic swims with the light. So there is a strong connection that I am baffled that modern medicine does not look at between comparative mythology and religion and mental illness because people who go through these psychotic states – spontaneously produce images and motifs and I spontaneously produced Mm -hmm. images and motifs of a mythological nature as if it was all archetypal. Wow. Yeah. And I've done a lot of looking into a lot of the psychedelic experiments of, uh, you know, the Timothy Leary and, and you listen to stories like Ram Dass talks about giving Maharaji you know, a ton of acid and just, you know, he just sat there and didn't do anything. And, and I wonder, I mean, do I, I'm sure there are studies, but do, do the psychedelics, you know, DMT stuff like that, does it activate the same areas of the brain? Do you know, as when, when you're having I do, a, a, like a psychotic episode? I do not know. And I don't, there is, is in, in my research, there's not a lot of study of what happens to the brain during these episodes because it's kind of hard to ethically take somebody <laughs> yeah. while they're you, in active episode. You mean you didn't want to lay down in an in, MRI machine and let them, let them see what's going on? Yeah. I begged them to. Oh, man. I begged them to study yeah. me, but they just treated me like an animal, mm. a dangerous animal. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as, as for the – I'm no, I'm no neuroscientist, so I, I mean I don't feel confident answering that question with authority. Um, but I can tell you that based on my experiences with, I've, I've never tried dimethyltryptamine. Yes. Or I mean, excuse me. Um, but based on what I have experienced and juxtaposing those two manic psychotic episodes, imagine the like philocybin experience Mm -hmm. amplified a thousand times over weeks wow yeah with no sleep no so you're not sleeping and there's our, that's and already anybody... putting another notch in the belt there like just the, the sleep will do things when you don't sleep anybody who doesn't sleep will become psychotic mm-hmm. they use sleep as a form of torture mm-hmm. and interrogation mm-hmm. sleep deprivation is a form of torture and interrogation so one thing about me that my therapist finds fascinating is probably why he lets me come to therapy for free um, <laughs> is because I can remember 
what I experienced yeah, that, in those that's episodes. That's pretty rare. That, that, I meant to ask that earlier. That came through my head. I, I've never, I don't know that I've ever met anyone that, that was capable of, of recall like that as far as. I can, my memory is pretty tight right. as it is. The older I get, the worse it gets. Yeah. But um, during a manic, during a manic episode before it becomes psychosis or in a hypomanic episode, I can remember everything. Wow. Um. But those experiences um, had a deeply – I had deeply spiritual mm-hmm. connections to things I couldn't articulate, but some of it was absolute delusion. Um, I had experiences with um, interdimensional light beings. So how do you that how would, do you draw the line though, man? Like how do you know what was delusion and what, what led you into the spiritual realm, for lack of a better term? Delusion is a word that Western medicine uses. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my experiences, I, I really don't know where I draw the line. I know that I had these altered experiences. I know that I experienced something. I know that I feel connected. Mm-hmm. I know that that the sit that my sense of well-being greatly improved after I worked through these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that when I got away from toxic relationships in my life is really where I started to mentally health improve a lot. I haven't had an episode in four years. So are you, are you medicated? With, uh, okay. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm also proponent, Every day I'm also proponent of medication. I have noticed. Them. I, well, I was telling you um, on DM the other day that I got interviewed mm-hmm. um, about bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. which kind of wraps into what we were talking about earlier about getting the awareness out there. But, but um, I take Vralar and Triliptal every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but I haven't had an episode in four years. Mike, and- this is just purely like me wanting to know. My experience with medication is that it it basically, for lack of a better term, it rounds the edges so that you can get in there and do the work without such a an intense reaction. At least that was that's how it's worked for me. Does do you find similar for because I mean you know bipolar is different than PTSD. So, I mean, it may work totally different, but do you, have you noticed that as far as medication? Does it, what does it do? Like, how does it improve? The medication I take or is a dopamine regulator. Um, it binds into the dopamine receptor and prevents too much or too little. Okay. It's a second generation drug. It's very expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't even afford to buy it. I get free samples and I have to get it by other means. Right. But, um, that's so messed up. Yeah, that's, it, uh, that's another story, it is, but it, that's ridiculous. It is messed up for $700 a month yeah. for a one month mm. supply of this medication is pretty bad. And I told these people during this interview because the people that interviewed me are owned by the people who make that medication. Mm. And I told them, I was like, it's ridiculous. But um, the, the medication, I believe, in terms of what it can do to stop an episode, um, in, my, in, in the past, when I would have episodes, I, I had family members that would immediately lock me up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Immediately. That's what we're conditioned and to I, do in this country, I think. It, it, I don't know what the hell to do. Send him somewhere where they do know what to do. Yeah. 
well, and what they do in these places is throw a bunch of medication at you until you behave in a way that they deem baseline inappropriate. Mm. That's what they do inside these hospitals. They just lock you up. They throw medication at you until you start to behave the right. way they think is appropriate. So I would get locked up in these hospitals and end up spending two or three months in them. And most of that, I was not symptomatic. But the last episode I had, I was completely psychotic. I was talking to my wife as an alien named Calum, an interdimensional light being that had possessed my body. I was not sleeping. I was sleeping maybe two hours a night. I was completely psychotic. And we, I became lucid in the psychosis that I was really? psychotic. Yes. Wait, wait. So how were you? I don't mean to pry, but I mean, like that 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 statement is amazing to me. So how were you able to separate? Like, what part it's was like drowning? Was the psychosis manifesting, or was was Morgan manifesting? Being like, holy shit! Like this is this is happening. It's like I can speak about it in metaphor. It's like drowning, and you come up for a breath, and you get a you know like you're drowning. Mm -hmm. If you ever been lacking, yeah. have as a firefighter, I had a mask uh -huh. on a lot, and I ran out of air. A I have lot. apnea, so stupid. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> it's like you you're drowning in the psychosis, and your dream world is pushing through and overlapping your consciousness, and then like you have a like you come up and have a breath of fresh air. You know those things we talked about in college. They often have peaks and valleys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same. It's a similar sort of experience. There's a peak in a valley, and like in a valley, sort of getting a breath experience, I was became aware that I was psychotic. And we, what we did was we maxed out my medication dose. We gave the max dose, right. and I came down in three days. Wow. Versus what they would lock me up in the hospital, and I would be up for three or four weeks in this miserable environment, right. but we did it at home in three days. And now that's what my doctor tells me to do. She says, if you have symptoms, take more meds. Mm -hmm. So like, no, I, I mean, the hospital I, is a terrifying place for me. I'll do anything to not go there. Yeah, I think it's a terrifying place for anyone that has ever seen the workings of that, like the, the place. And I mean, it's just, there's nothing comforting. Some of, some of the, the, the private hospitals were a little more, you know, nice, I guess, as far as, you know, a psychiatric hospital can be, but yeah, the state, the state hospitals, no, no, sir. Like that, you know, it just, it's, it, it's awful. It was like a, when I was in North Alabama regional hospital, they closed three months after they let me go. They shut the whole place right. down. It was like something out of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's right. Nest. It was it was a horror. The nurses, what the nurses did to the patients, what they did to me, I, it's pretty rough. Oh, man, that's that's uh, I could talk for hours on on the state of the mental health system in, in this country and how just completely and totally, pardon the language, but fucked that it is because yeah. it is like that saying that it's a dumpster that fire. Is, yeah, that's a harsh word, but that is a harsh situation. And uh, let's uh, let's keep rolling, man. Um, yeah. So, are you familiar with Michael Newton? 
No. He was a psychiatrist and a pretty well-respected psychiatrist that kind of kind of fell he falls into the new the new age movement a lot, which is something I kind of dabbled in cuz it's interesting to me. But yeah, he, yeah, yeah, I know some stuff. He wrote a book a book called a couple books called Journey of Souls, Destiny of Souls, and basically now I've mentioned that I am a believer in hypnosis because I've experienced it. And he would do, he was a hypnotherapist and he would do past life regression. And the theory, are you familiar with the theory behind that? I don't know the theory behind past life regression, but I know what you're talking about. If you take out the spiritual aspect and the, um, you know, woo woo part of it. Okay. The idea from a psychological standpoint with past life regression is that if a person can associate an emotion or something with someone else, it's a lot easier for them to process and, and take care of, you see what I'm saying? It moves it to the front and it kind of allows them to disassociate enough to where they can process the situation. Yeah. So that is the people that use it that are, you know, in psychiatrists that use it, that is the idea. It's not a, it's not a totally respected opinion in all of psychology at this point, but that's the idea behind it. Um, well, Michael Newton noticed that, with an over a thousand people, if he went further into hypnosis and further back and further back into their past lives, that they all kind of started to say the same thing. Like he basically, he he ended up coining the term a life between lives and he would regress him to the point before the life, before they came here to earth, right. To do the thing. And there was a lot of, uh, synchronicities like everybody was saying the same shit like basically i mean long story short man that there's you know an afterlife that we go to and then we come here and it, they're really fascinating the books if nothing else it's fantastic fiction but he the the books that he wrote are just transcripts from his interviews and people tell their stories mm-hmm. and it's awesome so i highly recommend it so that i and i felt those stories there was a point for that though those stories really resonated with me in that i always kind of felt like that like i just i've always kind of closet been a believer in reincarnation and i just felt like you know earth is a place that we are to learn kind of like what you mentioned we are here to live we are here to suffer however you want to put it we are here to do the thing the the dharma how whatever you however you want to describe it we this is Earth is a school. Earth is a, a a playing field. A you know, like Alan Watts said, this is all a play. It's all a play. So I guess I guess you've heard about like Bashar and people yes, like that. Yes. I, yeah. So yeah. Okay. I'm with you. So that that is to say, what does Morgan Lee believe happens to us after death? Where do we, when, ah. when biological death occurs? What then? What I believe is irrelevant because I don't know. Right. Um, well, humor me, man. Yeah, yeah, humor, yeah. humor you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I, I, I think when, when I get quiet and I think about it in in my quiet meditation, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be some sort of review, some sort of I don't know. There's a sense that there will be like a review. You need to read this book. And the, you need to read that book, Journey of Souls. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. That there'll be some sort of review, and it won't be judgmental. Um, it'll be kind of like you judging yourself, um, and that you'll kind of like maybe experience this your life 
from another point of view or from multiple points of view, but it won't be condescending. You know, so much of Judeo-Christian mythology is about this like debt and punishment mm -hmm. and um, uh, uh, reconciliation. And so much of Eastern mythology is about identity. Mm -hmm. And um, I think there'll be, you, we will become aware of that which we already were mm -hmm. all along. You know, the sense of ego of Morgan Lee, who Morgan Lee thinks he is, that's all wrapped up in my neurons. Mm -hmm. That's all wrapped up in my memories. I think that when this, when I shed this mortal coil, um, that I will become aware of that which I already was. And maybe, and I, and I hope to become transparent to transcendence and just merge with it. Yeah. <laughs> back to that back to that which I cannot articulate but is with me all the time and that which I see in other people because when I say that I am God you are God it's all God like I see it everyone around me especially children mm -hmm. and especially my children mm -hmm. um, but I mean ultimately I don't know but I don't think it's going to be anything to be afraid of. I don't either. And that, I, that has been one of my biggest takeaways from my spiritual journey that I've been on is, man, I know, like, I am so not scared of death anymore. Like, I, I'm kind of excited and that sounds morbid, but I, I, I just want to know, like, I, yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be careful who you tell that to. <laughs> like, you got, when, when, when you sit when like, when you tell people I'm ready to die, They'll they'll think maybe you you know you kind of moving towards the mental health yeah. issue of yeah. that, but when it for me personally I can I look forward to living in this body with my mm -hmm. wife and my animals and my kids watching them grow up I, I look forward to of all course. of that and even more of the suffering that's going to come mm -hmm. and the hardships that are going to come, but to lay this body down and to see what could be next that could be beyond my wildest because Campbell Joseph Campbell's definition of God is my personal definition okay. of God God is a metaphor for that which transcends all categories of human intellectual thinking even that of being and non-being for those are categories of human intellectual thinking so I feel that when this ego and this brain and this body stops, that hopefully I will become aware of that metaphor and in the mystical nature of my belief system, be with it uh, like a moth to a flame. <laughs> you know, I have, I'm relatively new in this whole experience, I guess. Uh, I have found that I get so wrapped up in learning about this stuff and I get so excited about learning about this stuff that I do miss a lot of the present moment. And my wife just recently brought that up to me in a, in a conversation we were having. I was like, damn, yeah, you're right. Like I, have you, how do you come, have you experienced that? And if so, how do you combat that? Like, how do you keep yourself grounded to the present moment? It, it, it can be difficult, especially when you're surrounded but, you know, we were talking about what Earth was. It's a school. It's this and that. I make this joke on my TikTok about Earth being a psych ward for souls. <laughs> um, because if you look around, 
everybody's delusional about something. Yeah. We're all experiencing psychosis about the world around us. I mean, we, we, we tolerate war and we, 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 all these terrible things. We're absolutely a psychotic species. Um, look at the political, uh, the political climate in this country over the past few years. It's, it's a, it's just delusion Mm -hmm. and illusion and everything that the Buddha spoke of and the Christ spoke of everywhere. And, if you read the Gospel of Thomas, which you, mm-hmm. you have, you know, the Christ says, when the kingdom of heaven comes, men will not say, see here and see there. For they were realized that the kingdom of heaven was spread upon the earth, and they did not see it. But if you go over to Luke, and they ask where the kingdom of heaven is, he says the kingdom of heaven is within you. So it's inside of you. It's outside of you. And the way I stay grounded in that moment is to channel down to that awareness of the internal world and the external world, there being no difference. It is of the mind. Yeah. But, but I am not, what's the word? Um, it, uh, it's not sophist. It's where you think only your mind exists. Right. I'm not one of those. Okay. There uh, is a certain name for right. it. Um, well, you think that only your mind exists because there's obviously other minds here right. influencing this environment. And when I think – when like I, I have a prism on my windowsill that will cast uh, refracted light into my kitchen sometimes. And you think about this existence, and it's just a world of light all around mm-hmm. us, you know, and we're not really touching things. It's, 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 it's weird. Right. Um, <laughs> so like, you know, I can, it's the, I, I understand what you mean by getting way far out mm-hmm. there and backing yourself out the room over and over and over again and trying to channel it back down to the moment. Um, for me personally, I mean, my, my kids bring me right here to the present. Um, my spouse brings me right here to the present. It's only when I'm really left alone for long periods of time. <laughs> so I think that maybe that's my problem, man. I spent, I spent all day in a damn garbage truck. So I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. If you spend a lot of time alone in reflection, I mean, you can get real not lost in the sauce, but I mean, it, you can get really detached mm-hmm. yeah. from it. And, and that can be healthy and unhealthy. Yeah. So, man, that was awesome. <laughs> So wrapping, wrapping things up, I think that's, a, that's yeah. an excellent point to end on what, if you could say one thing to the tens of people that are listening to this, <laughs> uh, what, what is the one point that you want to get across about, about what, about Morgan Lee, about your beliefs, about, you know, the life, like anything. Hmm. If I had to leave it out about. I really have nothing to say about myself. You know, I, my ego, despite my TikTok, is not that big. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I really work on trying to keep a small ego presence mm-hmm. um, because you can get in your own way really yeah. easily. But does it mean that I don't get lost in the human aspect of being human and get frustrated mm-hmm. and get angry? You know, you know, a lot of people think enlightenment is about 
sitting on a stone yeah. and meditating in a cave. No, man, you still got to do laundry. Yeah. <laughs> you still got to wash dishes. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a great story. Here it is I, right here for you. There's a great story of a, of a young student that wanted to reach enlightenment. And he was told that there was a great teacher on top of a mountain that had reached enlightenment. So he climbed this mountain and he gets up to this temple and he goes in and he asks for this teacher and they point him over there to the pigsty. Right. And he goes to the pigsty and there's a man shoveling pig shit. Right. Excuse my language. And he talks to this teacher and he says, "Have you, you know, you are you the one that reached enlightenment that knows and knows Nirvana?" And he's like, "Yeah." How did you do it? And he kind of talked him through it and he said, "Well, what did you do after? What did you do before you did this?" He's like, "I shoveled pig shit." Yeah. He's like, "What did you do after?" He's like, "I shoveled pig yeah. shit." <laughs> So I mean, so I mean, it's just it is it's an everyday emergence. Um, the the person you're talking to right now is not going to be the same Morgan Lee in a year from now. Yeah. I, I'm open to that change. I want to evolve, yeah. and so I would leave it out there for everybody that you know, life is hard. It's painful. There's a lot of suffering, but there's beauty and light in it. And just hold on. Yeah, it's just a ride, as Bill Hicks would yeah. say. <laughs> Man, I love Billy Hicks. Dude, thank you so much. That was uh that was that was an incredible conversation. I really had a blast. And, and it, anytime, man. The, the one thing I've learned from doing this is I just like talking to people about this stuff, dude. And why not uh why not put it out there for other people to watch? Man, uh take this time, uh promote some of the things that you do, anything like a cause or your videos or whatever you want to promote, take a couple minutes and tell people where they can find you. Uh, if I was going to promote anything, go to my TikTok, Morgan Lee or Morgan Lee 343. Um, that's my TikTok. Follow me, like my videos. I haven't posted in a couple of weeks. I had to take a break. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to take a break yeah. from it. But um, just my TikTok. And my YouTube is out there too, but it, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have trouble juggling but, uh, all that shit myself, man. I don't know like where to go, what goes where and where. You just have to pick one, I think, because if you try to yeah. do it all, it's confusing. But yeah, well, man, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for being here. You're welcome back anytime. Um, I'm. It was a lot of fun. Man. I'm hoping thank to you. do more of this uh, mini series format. I like this, where I, you know, the individual conversations and stuff over different topics. So, you will definitely be on the short list of people to come hang out. So, Thanks, brother. Well, uh, send me a link so that I can watch this oh, absolutely. or share. Yeah, it. it's going to be. We're going to do the whole thing, man. It's going to be out. The audio is going to be everywhere that audio goes and we're going to put the video on youtube that kind of stuff but as far as those of you listening go check out sharing maps we are streaming everywhere that things stream we're trying to put more effort into the youtube channel so there'll be shorts they'll be visiting yeah check <laughs> my shirt my if i had to plug anything Let's do it it would be it would be my 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 spread shop yeah Sure. Go to my TikTok. The link in the bio. There's a spread shop. You can the Caucasian Space Jesus merch is up. I, I got all I, I got all kinds of different merch. Dude, you know what? I forgot too. There is also a song. I release music under the name Energy Weapon, uh, and uh, that's how Morgan and I met. I approached him and asked for permission to make a song about Caucasian Space Jesus, and. He also uh, he gave me permission to use the idea and to sample some of his dulcet Alabama tones in the, uh, in the song. <laughs> so check that out. It's called "Flight of the Caucasian Space Jesus," and it's a good introduction into into that world. I think. 
But yeah, guys, thank you for watching, listening, whatever you're doing. We appreciate it. Uh, give us a like, give us a follow. We're trying to get this thing going. So yeah, until next time, we'll see you.